Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Wednesday, the 7th of April, and we're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. Check out their services at LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off either the hardware or software package. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft. That's a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, Champions League last night, and it's fair to say it went much better for one English team than it did for another. Starting with Manchester City, they beat Borussia Dortmund 2-1. Now, they did have some massive help from the officials. In the first instance, the De Bruyne goal that put City 1-0 up, Emre Chan gave the ball away, largely because the referee blocked the passing lane he attempted to play the ball into. Uh, City went down the field and scored, and it was a good goal. They made it well, and, you know, when it looked like the chance had gone, Riyad Mahrez did very well to turn it back into a goal. So credit to them for that. However, however, Jude Bellingham had a perfectly good goal chalked off after Ederson fouled him. And somehow the officials contrived to give a free against Bellingham and book him. For winning the ball fairly after Ederson had had a heavy touch, Ederson then kicked Bellingham, fell on the floor, and Bellingham got called back. It's one of the worst decisions you'll see all season. It wasn't the only occasion when a City player fell on the floor to feign injury. Rodri threw himself on the ground, uh, was given a penalty for it. Thankfully, VAR intervened and the penalty was reversed. Rodri claimed he was kicked by Emery Chan. The replay showed nothing of the sort happened. Um, Dortmund would equalise through Marco Royce. A nice move with Haaland playing the ball around the corner to him. And Royce going through to finish calmly. That was in the 83rd minute. But credit to City, they kept going. They kept fighting. And they got the, they got the goal to win the game. Uh, lovely bit of play by Gundogan to set up Phil Foden. And... Um, Foden continues to come up big for City this season. What a player he is. He's going to be an absolute star. I mean, he is sensational. He has everything that you would want in a modern footballer. 
supreme talent, great technique, real desire, great engine. Truly, truly a great young player. I thought the the battle last night with him on one side and um, you know Bellingham on the other. Obviously, Bellingham started the game for Dortmund and was really, really good. I, I thought Bellingham was exceptional. I thought he looked every bit the top-end midfielder. I think he looks like a guy that could play in the Premier League right now and not have any problems. I'll be interested to see if he stays at Dortmund for next season. There's a lot of talk of them having some financial issues and needing to sell you know, a couple of big names to, uh, to balance the, the books. Haaland is one name. I don't think he leaves this summer. I think the price will be prohibitive. Sancho's the other. Again, the price might put people off. I wonder what Bellingham would cost. Would he be in that 40 to 50 million pound range, which would represent double what Dortmund paid from last summer? It would be a shame if they had to sell any of them. Sancho's the one who's come the closest to leaving. He's also only got, I think, two years left on his contract. So maybe, maybe he's the one they have to let go for a price below what they would want. But it's a shame they can't keep the three of them, Haaland, Bellingham and Sancho, along with Gio Reyna together, because they could build something special with with the three with the four of them. That's four super talented players. They have other quality players like Chan, Mo Dehoud, Akanji, Guerrero. They need a centre back, they need a right back, and they need a goalkeeper. But that Dortmund team does feel like under Marco Rose, who'll take over in the summer. It could become something really, really good with not a whole lot of investment if you could keep what's there. They've got other players they could try and sell. I mean, maybe they could move on Julian Brand, uh, Torgan Hazard, Thomas Delaney. They'll have Axel Witzel come back. Now, he's coming back. I think it's a torn Achilles he has. So who knows what he comes back as. But maybe there's other players there they could look to move on if they need to raise some money and not have to cash in on any of the big lads or the big young stars. Um, for City, though, I mean, they just roll on, don't they? They've made the second leg a little bit more difficult than they would have liked, and you wouldn't really back them to keep Haaland quiet for a second game in a row. He had quite a subdued game. I thought Ruben Diaz did well against them. John Stones did quite well as well. But City were City were very good. They were definitely a class above Dortmund. Um, they definitely had a lot more about them. They used the ball a lot better and looked more purposeful. That's been Dortmund's problem, though. They they don't really play with much purpose. Um, the other game, then, Liverpool lost 3-1 in Madrid to Real. The first half is one of the worst 45 minutes you'll see from a Liverpool team under Jurgen Klopp. The second half was better, but it did sort of feel like Real had taken their foot off the gas and were just drifting through the game. When they needed to turn it up, they did. Uh, Klopp made some strange decisions. Uh, he started Naby Keita, who's barely played since Christmas. Then took him off after 41 minutes. He was playing badly, don't get me wrong. But no worse than half a dozen others. The only Liverpool player who comes out of that game with any real credit. Well, Thiago Alcantara, to be fair, he came on at halftime. And he, he did, just before halftime... He did make an impact. But Ozan Kabak was the only Liverpool defender who played well. Andy Robertson just looks tired. 
Nat Phillips was miles out of his depth, and Trent Alexander-Arnold took a big step backwards, um, did not play well at all. The midfield didn't perform, this, the starting midfield, Wijnaldum was poor, did create the second goal with a great burst, beat a couple of players and drove the ball forward. Fabinho just looked leggy, didn't, didn't play well. Casemiro put on a clinic in how to play holding midfield in that game. Tony Cruz had days and days of space and time, nobody near him. Modric was able to do Modric things, and it was all very easy for Real Madrid. Liverpool are going to need a big reaction, not just in the second leg, but it needs to start this weekend against Aston Villa. Sadio Mane's performance last night was shameful. Absolutely shameful. Terrible on the ball. Minimal effort off it. Threw himself on the ground multiple times. Jota was a a bit of a peripheral figure in the game. Salah tried his best, but every time he got the ball, there was three and four around him. But Mane was a big, big letdown. Klopp substitutions didn't really make any sense. Why why substitute on 41 minutes? Why not wait till 45? Why not wait till 45 and save the lad the embarrassment of being hauled off on 41 when you put him in the team to begin with? Uh, then the, the late changes, he, he left he left Mane on, who was playing terribly, and took Jota off, who, while he hadn't been good, looked more lively and more likely to make something happen, and was involved in the creation of Liverpool's goal, took off Quebec and left Phillips on. Phillips was getting absolutely roasted by Vinicius and Benzema. Anytime Benzema went near Quebec, he got nothing from him. But he took off Quebec and left Phillips on. Bizarre from Klopp. Absolutely bizarre. Um, looked a little bit lost on the sideline. Didn't look like he had many ideas on how to change things. Liverpool need a big reaction. Needs to start this weekend. They cannot afford. Well, they, they have no room for error in the league. If they have any kind of ambition of finishing top four, they need to win games in the Premier League and they need to win their home games. They've been dreadful at home. They haven't won a home game in four months. Now, it is only eight games. But they haven't won a league home game in four months. They've, they drew two, West Brom and Man United, and they've lost the last six. And some of them, you know, you accept Man City, Chelsea, even Everton to an extent. But Burnley, Brighton and Fulham were unacceptable results. Villa would be an unacceptable result. At this point in the season, it would be unacceptable for Liverpool to lose at home. They need to get a result, and then they need to turn around. They need to beat Real Madrid. On Wednesday night. They need to win two by two clear goals to go through. They have the away goal. A 2-0 win will put them through. Whether they can keep a clean sheet or not. I have great doubts. But one thing's for sure. They need to show a lot more energy. A lot more effort. And a lot more desire. It's as simple as that. They need to show a lot more desire. They let their manager down badly last night. He didn't cover himself in glory. But the players let themselves down badly last night. Um, other news, Manchester City related, they announced a net loss of 126 million in their 2019-20 accounts as a result of the COVID global pandemic. They received 13.5 million less in match day revenues compared to the previous season, 18 million less in uh, UEFA broadcast revenue because obviously they went out a little bit earlier in the Champions League. And 44 million less in Premier League revenue. 
obviously the China deal affected that and then the money that had to be paid back because all the games were getting shown. Uh, they claim to have gained 20 million from commercial streams. We'll say no more. Um, they did get a big boost today, though. Kevin De Bruyne has signed a contract extension, committing himself to Manchester City until 2025. That will see him through basically the end of his career. Uh, come 2025, De Bruyne will be 34 years of age. So that'll be the end of his, you know, his real peak in powers. Whether whether he'll retire at that point, we don't know. But, you know, he's he's so important to them. He's such a great player. He turns 30 this year. Uh, you'd imagine he's the next captain of City. He's the current vice captain. So you'd imagine he is the the next captain. And um, and he'll lead them forward. And, and the form he's been in this season, him and Gundogan is just a remarkable pair of midfielders. When they when they click, when everything works for them, it is it is unbelievable to watch. They're phenomenally good to watch when those two are on form. And last night they were both on form. They both played really well. Um, and then you have the likes of Foden. You have uh, Bernardo Silva, Mares, Sterling didn't even start last night. Didn't even come on. They made one substitution, bringing on Gabby Jesus. But they were. You know this positionless football that they're playing when they go without a striker is is great to watch. It's so much fun, and they have so many different players that can do so many different things and so many different options in every position. Um, it it, it is they've got a great, great squad. They really do. And as I've said before, I mean they, they're linked with Haaland. I don't think they need Haaland. I think someone like a Yarzabal from Real Sociedad would be a better fit into what they do right now and into how they're playing. Do that. Upgrade on Kyle Walker, and I think you're good to go. I think that's more than good enough to head into next season where you've got your four centre-backs, Canseo and Mendy at left-back, get a better right-back than Kyle Walker, make right make Walker the backup. You've got Edison. They'll need a depth option in midfield because... Fernandinho may well leave this year, so they'll need a, a backup holding midfielder to Rodri. They own a couple of good young players that they could bring in. Um, and then they've got so many attacking options. And again, a great academy producing a lot of good young players. And if they don't produce them, they go and they pluck them around Europe and develop them. So City are in tremendous shape. And if they do manage to do the incredible quadruple this year I mean there's obviously an asterisk nested next to the season because of the the pandemic and no fans but it will be a, an incredible achievement it really will be an incredible achievement that nobody can really take away from them um and De Bruyne is going to be part of it for the next you know four seasons after this so that's huge and uh I hope he got I hope he got the pay he deserves because he deserves to be you know, the highest paid player in England. Him and Van Dijk are the two best players in England. Salah's third. After that, it's probably a bunch of City players. Um, other football news. Juan Cala, the Cadiz defender, who has been accused of racially abusing Mukhtar Diakbi of Valencia during a game in La Liga at the weekend, has angrily denied doing so. Now, he said something to Diakbi. Diakbi and his teammates left the pitch. 
Valencia were threatened with having to forfeit the game, which, you know, I mean, La Liga is clearly the issue here. La Liga came out after the game and said that there was there's no racism in La Liga. That's nonsense. There's racism in every league. Um, in every European league, there is racism. Believe me. We, we see it on such a regular basis. Whether it's player to player, fan to player. We had the Hertha Berlin goalkeeping coach fired over the weekend after making statements in some Hungarian press um, press piece where he said uh, a bunch of things against the gay community, the trans community, immigrants. I mean, he's an immigrant himself. So the lack of self-awareness is incredible. He's Hungarian, living and working in Germany. I'd imagine skin color was actually what he was complaining about rather than actual just immigration. He's fine if white people move to where he lives. Lives, but he doesn't want you know black or brown people there. So he's rightly been sacked. Uh, Juan Cala, it, it's going to be impossible to find out what he said. Only he will know. We saw the incident with the Slavia Prague player. We saw the incident with Curtis Jones in, in the um, England Under-21 tournament. So this is just another example. Um, Diakby didn't come back on the field when his teammates did. He told them, go back and play. He just wouldn't play anymore. He was right. I think the teammates should have just stayed with him. I think Valencia let themselves down in that moment, but they have come out fighting and they've they've been very critical of the stance La Liga have taken. So I I think it's interesting to see um him him coming out, Juan Cala coming out and, and being very angry in his denial. Uh especially this this late in the day. I mean, surely you do it straight after the game. If it's real. Um, speaking of racism and such, the Slavia Prague defender, Kudela, uh, he's been provisionally suspended for one game while UEFA investigates allegations of racism in the game against, against Rangers. He's denied the allegation, but he's been given a suspension for insulting the, an opponent. He admitted to insulting him, but he said there was nothing racist about what he said. Uh, UEFA if they find him guilty of racial abuse, could hit him with a 10-match ban. That shouldn't... That's not enough. I'm sorry, it's not enough. If he's if he's found to be guilty, it just isn't enough. Um, Phil Coutinho set to miss the rest of the season after undergoing knee surgery. He's not in the Barcelona team at the moment. He hasn't played a whole bunch, only 14 appearances in all competitions. Super talented player, should never have gone there. It hasn't worked for him at all. Hopefully he moves on in the summer. There's a bunch of clubs that could do with a Phil Coutinho. He'd be great for a bunch of clubs. Um, if he comes back to England, brilliant. It's, it's a good thing for the Premier League. It won't be with Liverpool, though. Uh, the National League chairman, Brian Barwick, is to step down at the end of the season. Um, he's held the role since 2015 and has decided that you know, now is the time for him to move on. He is 66, so perhaps retirement uh, is the best option after he'd fallen foul of the National League clubs who were preparing a vote of no confidence against him and the board. And uh, finally, Craig Dawson will join West Ham in a £2 million permanent deal this summer. There had been some suggestion that um, he might not be kept on, but he's made 15 starts now, so it's triggered the automatic clause. 
two million is is a great buy. He's done very very well for them. Um, the suggestion was that Watford might want him back because obviously they look like coming up. West Ham, I think, are very very happy to to keep him, and he'll be a good addition to them um, for next season. Whether he's a starter or not next season, I don't know. I, I for me, he he wouldn't be for me. Um, but look, Moyes is happy with him, and and you can't question the job Moyes is doing at the moment. He's he's the manager of the year. There can be no no real debate on on that for right now. Um, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, oh, actually, the last bit of news: Derby County, Mel Morris has agreed to sell the club to a company called No Limits Sports Limited, which is a very strange name. Um, it's owned by a Spanish businessman called Eric Alonso, who had previously worked for Sheffield Wednesday, had a big falling out with the owner of Sheffield Wednesday. He, I think, was trying to buy into the club. I think a promise had been made that he would be allowed to buy into the club and then um, promise was broken. So he has moved on and he has agreed a deal now to buy Derby County. It is still subject to the owners and directors test but i mean if that lunatic that used to own leeds the italian fella who just sacked managers left and right uh selena if he can do it if he can pass the test anybody can pass the test i reckon if we do a whip round we could pass the test lads all of us together we'll all throw in a fiver and we'll buy a championship squad or a league one squad and um We'll, you know, we'll run amok. We'll sack managers left and right. Um, yeah, Salino, that was him. What a man. Doesn't care about managers. Just sacks them left and right. Is he still? He's not still butchering Cagliari, is he? No, he's not. He's he's a, he's got Brescia now. He owns Brescia. Uh, he owned Cagliari for years. Made an absolute hames of them, uh, sold them, bought Leeds, made a mess of it, and uh, has now bought Brescia. Now he did did see them promoted, but they got relegated again. He's probably on about his sixth manager in the three years he's been there. That's actually six is probably being um, being kind to him. He's probably on his twelfth manager, given he's been there now four years. Um, yeah, if he can pass the test, it's probably no reason that. Um, Mr. Alonso and his group can't pass the test. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a look at the PFA team of the year over the Premier League lifetime because it was pointed out to me that the certain players seem to have been in it far more than they deserve and other players rarely made it. So when we come back, we'll take a look at that. Right, welcome back. Um, I had this question for Mark Vaughan. Vaughan? Vaughan or Vaughan? Depends on where you're from. Um, Topic for the pod before I forget. The PFA teams of the year don't line up with how we view players. Jared was selected eight times, Lampard three. In ten years, Aguero was selected twice. Can you have a look at these teams and see if these and other decisions were justified? I can. I can indeed. So we'll start off in 92-93. Uh, Peter Schmeichel, the defence was David Bardsley, Paul McGrath, Gary Pallister and Tony DeRigo. Now you could make arguments against DeRigo and Bardsley. They had made the team of the year before. DeRigo was very good for Leeds 
Uh, but Dennis Irwin was excellent for United that year. Phil Bardsley, I mean, Paul Parker would have been the other one. Sorry, David Bardsley, not Phil Bardsley. David Bardsley would have been, uh, was picked right back. Again, that was his second time. I don't know that you'd have much of an argument with it. You could probably debate it, but I think it's probably fair. In midfield, uh, it was all all new players. Keane, Speed, Ince, and Giggs. Giggs is the one I'd take umbrage with. Don't think he played enough that year um, as a starter to really justify it. So that season... No, I'm wrong. He did. No, he absolutely did. In fairness to him, he absolutely did. It's incredible how much he was playing at that age. 19, he's playing. Played 41 Premier League games. Fair play. Nine goals. People forget how good Giggs was as a young player. That second season as well, 38 games, 13 goals. He was phenomenal as a young player. He really should have scored a lot more goals in his career. You look at his first three seasons, 11, 17, and 12, a four in between. He was plagued by injuries that year. But three times in his first four, sorry, I suppose three times in his first five seasons, as a regular contributor for United, he was um, he was over 10 goals. For the rest of his career, he only managed it twice. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have much of an issue there then. With that, and then Shearer and Ian Wright up front, don't think he can complain too much about that. The next year, then, Tim Flowers, Gary Kelly, Pallister again, Adams, Irwin. There's no real debate in that. Gary Kelly's the one you'd question. Good player, not a great player, but that season he did play very well, led him into the World Cup, and he was obviously great at the World Cup. Uh, in midfield, you've got Ince again, you've got McAllister, Batty, David Batty is hard for me to justify that David Batty would be in the the team of the year, but there he is. Uh, Shearer, Cantona, and Beardsley as the attack. No problem with those. I think those are all good picks. Um, then you get Flowers again in 94-95. Rob Jones of Liverpool. Can't argue with it. Tremendous right back. Gary Pallister again. People forget how good Gary Pallister was. And when you hear these debates about, you know, Rio Ferdinand's one of the best Premier League defenders ever. He's the fourth best Premier League defender of Manchester United. Fourth. Vidic was better. Stam was substantially better. And Gary Pallister might be the best of the lot. And Gary Pallister's always forgotten when people talk about great centre-backs. A back injury hampered him badly in his last few years, but Gary Pallister at his best was incredible. And Adams and Pallister as a pairing for England were brilliant. They were better than Terry and Ferdinand ever were. Gary Pallister is one of the most underappreciated players from the Premier League era. And it's quite shameful how many Manchester United fans just completely overlook him. Rio was good. Pallister was great. Colin Henry next to him, again, very, very good defender. Graham Rousseau was tremendous for Blackburn, so you couldn't complain. Uh, midfield three, Sherwood, the first appearance of, appearance of Matt Letizia and Paul Ince for the third straight year. Um, and then Jurgen Klinsmann, Chris Sutton and Alan Shearer up front. 
Klinsman, I think, got in on name alone. I'm not going to say he shouldn't have got in, but I do think the fact that he was Jurgen Klinsman played a big role in it. When Klinsman came to Spurs, if anyone remembers, the hype and excitement around him was incredible. He was a World Cup winner. He'd obviously been at Inter Milan. He'd been at Monaco. He was a great player. He was 30, he, you know, so he was getting towards the, the latter stages of his career. He did go on to play another four years, but Klinsman was this massive name. And we hadn't really seen the mad influx of overseas players into the Premier League as yet. There were a few, but that summer it really exploded after that World Cup. You remember like the likes of Gika Popescu and Ili Dimitrescu arrived at Spurs along with Klinsman. Brian Roy arrived at Nottingham Forest. There was a, just a, there was a lot of movement that summer. I think Brian Roy was that summer anyway. Let me just check that. Great radio again uh, for your listening pleasure. But that Spurs team, there was so much excitement around them. Yes, Brian Roy went to Nottingham Forest that summer. Um, Spurs were going to have this famous front five. Anderton, Barnby, Sheringham, Klinsman, and Dimitrescu. They're going to play this front five. Dimitrescu and Sheringham behind Klinsman, Barnby and Anderton in the wide roles. Jika Popescu then was meant to hold the midfield. He was meant to be kind of the lone midfield player. Dimitrescu would drop back in with him. Anderton would drop in and Barnby would drop in and they could go to a four with Sheringham off Klinsman if need be. But this five was meant to be it, and it didn't really work. It was There were so much fun to watch. And there was things Klinsman did that were brilliant. Like, you know, off the field, he shows up at training the first day driving an old Beetle, goes to his first press conference, brings a set of goggles because the British media have, you know, labeled him a diver, does the big dive after scoring one of his, I think it was his first goal. Was it Sheffield Wednesday scored his first goal against? Um... Yes, Sheffield Wednesday. On his debut, he scores a header. This this header has stuck with me since because I remember watching it over and over again. The ball was played out to the right-hand side. I can't remember for the life of me who crossed it. It may have been Darren Anderton. Klinsman, if memory serves, he's been marked by Des Walker, who was a tremendous defender back in the day as well. Klinsman takes a step forward and then three quick steps backwards and creates a half yard of space from himself. The step forward brings the defender with him, takes those quick steps backwards, gets a little bit of space, cross comes in, and he bullets a header pass. I'm sure on YouTube you can find this goal. Um, I'm sh- It's got to be there. On them debut. It is. It's a great, great goal. It's, it, the game ended 4-3 to Spurs. The Spurs were bananas that season. They just couldn't defend at all, but they were really good going forward. They were so much fun to watch. Maybe it's maybe it's fair. Maybe Klinsman getting in is the right decision. He did bang in a lot of goals. He scored 20 in the league, so maybe it is fair. But I do seem to remember a certain Robbie Fowler. Was it that year Fowler had a really great season?
Yeah, Fowler got 25 in the league that season and didn't make it. So that would be my argument that Robbie Fowler should have got in. But maybe he should have got in over Chris Sutton. You know, Sutton was a good player, never a great player, but worked well with Shearer. Um, 95-96, David James uh, wouldn't be a big David James fan, if I'm being honest. Um Definitely not the best goalkeeper in the league that year. Uh, Gary Neville, Tony Adams, Ugo Ekiog, uh, rest in peace, um, and Alan Wright of Aston Villa. Al- Alan Wright, no, I'm sorry, just no. Steve Stone, Steve Stone for about two years looked like a great player with Nottingham Forest, broke into the England team, was part of the England squad, I think, for 96. Uh, Rob Lee had a great year that year, scored a bunch of goals. Newcastle were a lot of fun. Uh, Rude Hullet, he got in on name alone. Name alone. Uh, David Ginola was was incredible. When he arrived at Newcastle, he was just, he was so different. He had this swagger and this arrogance about him. And he was a right-footed left winger, and he'd go one way and then go the other, and he could cross on the, on, on the full sprint on his left foot, or he could cut inside and, and ping a shot with his right foot. David Ginola, when he came to the Premier League, was was just different class. Uh, Les Ferdinand, absolutely deserving. And Alan Shearer again. You're, you're never going to argue against Shearer because of the goals. But that year, I would suggest Alan Wright and David James, as well as Ruud Hullet, not deserving of their spots. Um, David Seaman, Neville... Adams, Mark Wright, really good for Liverpool that year. Stiging Gabionaby, no. Not, not in a league where Dennis Irwin is playing. I'm sorry, no. Uh, Beckham, Keane, Batty again. He, he, that year, I would say yes. He was, he was a lot better for Newcastle that year. Uh, though he was, you know, one of the two signings that kind of derailed their balance the previous year. Steve McManaman, he, he should have been in it three or four times by now. Uh, Shearer again and Ian Wright. I'm not going to argue with either of those. Uh, Nigel Martin in 97, 98. Nigel Martin was very underrated goalkeeper. Very, very good for Leeds and Everton. Neville again. Pallister again. Uh, Colin Hendry again. Lasso. No problem with any of those in defence. Beckham. Nicky Butt. There's just no way. I'm sorry. There's just no way. Batty again. The Premier League was struggling. This is the year Roy Keane got hurt, wasn't it? Ryan Giggs and then Owen and Burkamp up front. Um, 98-99, Nigel Martin, Neville, Saul Campbell, first appearance, Yap Stam, no question, those two. Those two were just on a different level. Uh, Dennis Irwin, so can't complain there. Beckham, Manu Petit, Patrick Vieira, Absolutely deserving. Uh, David Ginola again. Dwight York for United that year, 98-99, was incredible. And Nico Anelka, a little bit of a, of a surprising one. It was his first real season, but um, he obviously earned the move to Real Madrid after it, so you can't complain too much. There's only a handful in that decade that I complain about. Mostly, I think it was fairly, fairly correct. Uh, into the 2000s, Nigel Martin, Gary Kelly, 
Yapstam, Sammy Hippia, Ian Hart, no. Um, Beckham, Keane, Vieira, Harry Kuehl, Andy Cole and Kevin Phillips. Two goal scorers, didn't do a whole lot otherwise, but they scored a lot of goals. People forget how good Harry Kuehl was, a young player for Leeds. He was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Should have gone on to be so much more than he did. Injuries really hampered him. Um, he just had a, an incredible left foot. And you can't really... Uh, Ian Hart would be the only one I'd take a bit of umbrage with in that team. But again, he, he probably did have a very, very good season. It's just like, I don't think there's ever been a point where Ian Hart was one of the three or four best left backs in English football. Um, the following year, Fabian Bartes, Stephen Carr, Yapstam, Wes Brown. No. No, sorry. Absolutely not. Silvino of Arsenal was, was very, very good for a while. So, yeah, okay. Stephen Gerrard's first appearance, Roy Keane, Vieira, Giggs, and then Sheringham and Henry. So, no real problem with that. Stephen Carr was good that year. Don't have a problem. Wes Brown, there's just no way that Wes Brown was one of the two best centre-backs in the league. He's been carried in there by Yapstam. Uh, 0102, Shea Given, Steve Finnan, Rio Ferdinand, Sammy Hippia. Rio getting in for Leeds. Maybe, maybe. Wayne Bridge with Southampton, really good. Uh, Bobby Perez, Keane and Vieira. I mean, they might as well just put those two in and mark her. Uh, Giggs, Van Nistelrooy, and Henri. There's there's no one there to really complain about. I think they're all great candidates and they were all strong players at the time. Uh, 0203, Brad Friedel, Stephen Carr again, Saul Campbell, William Gallas, Ashley Cole, Perez, Vieira, Scholes, Kieran Dyer. Kieran Dyer. Henri and Shearer up front. Kieran Dyer is one of the more disappointing players in the last 30 years of English football. Came through with Ipswich, moved to Newcastle at the age of 21, made his England debut right back. And I think if he came through today, I think that's probably where he would play. Very skillful player, very good on the ball, hardworking, good pace. Bad attitude. There's a lot of stories about Kieran Dyer's behavior off the field, his attitude off the field that don't really lend well to, you know, having a good image of Kieran Dyer. Um, Injuries massively hampered him. There's, There's no doubt there. He had a bunch of hamstring problems, but... There was a point where he did look like he was going to be a big part of England's future. And unfortunately, I mean, he got 133 caps, fair play to him, but he was never a regular starter. Um, and his career sort of petered out quite badly. Obviously had the on-field incident with Lee Bowyer as well, which you know is why a lot of people remember him. But it, it, he should have been far more. He was so talented, really enjoyable player to watch when he was, when he was breaking through at Ipswich and then in his first while at Newcastle. Um, 0304, Tim Howard. No, not for me. Uh, Lorraine Campbell, Terry, Cole. Terry getting in that season is a bit farcical. Be clear on that. 
not not very deserving in that season. Um, Ashley Cole, Colo Touré should have got in. They should have just put the Arsenal back line in. Uh, Gerard Lampard, Vieira, Perez, Henri, and Van Nistelrooy. There's no no arguments to be made among any of those. Oh four, oh five. Peter Cech, Neville, Terry deserved that year. Rio Ferdinand undeserved that year. Ricardo Carvalho should have been in the team. He was the best centre back in the league by a country mile. Ashley Cole, no problem. Sean Wright Phillips, another one who just ended up being very disappointing. Broke through at City, was super exciting to watch. Went to Chelsea when they had all the money, got lost in the shuffle, never became a fraction of the player he should have been. Uh, Gerard Lampard, Arjen Robin, brilliant that season. Andrew Johnston was a strange, a strange pick, uh, along with uh, you know, Henri as the other striker. Now, he did score 21 goals for Crystal Palace. So he did have a very good season. I just don't know that he was one of the two best strikers in the Premier League that year. Um, good player. Never a great player. Kind of bounced around. One that had plenty of needle. One that had um, always liked to wind up the opposition fans that Andy Johnson. And... Um, he was, he was, you know, it was something he could do very, very well. He did finish second top scorer in the league, to be fair to him. And as you, yeah, as you look about, there's not a whole lot of anyone else. It's Henri Johnson and then a big drop to Bobby Perez. This was when the Premier League went through a bit of a barren spell for goal scorers. Um, Defoe got 13, Hasselbank got 13, Lampard, Yakubu, Andy Cole was knocking around at Fulham. Uh, a young Peter Crouch at Southampton and either Good Johnson, uh, all with 12, 13. So, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, Andy Johnson, uh, based on his goals, deserving of that. Then you have Shea Given, Pascal Chimbom- uh, Chimbonda, I'm going to take umbrage with. Uh, Terry Carragher, Gallas, no left back picked. Gallas might have played a fair bit at left back that year, to be fair. Probably would have played more at right back, I would have thought. But he probably did play quite a bit at left back because he could play anywhere across the back line. You did have the Carvalho-Terry pairing. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole did have a very good season, in in fairness to him, for Chelsea. Um, Henri and Wayne Rooney making his first appearance. 06-07, Van der Sar, no doubt. Rio... Neville, Rio, Vidic, and Patrice Ever, that United back five, were brilliant that season. Just brilliant. Uh, Cristiano, Gerard, Scholes, Giggs, Drogba, and Berbatov. No complaints for me over that year. None at all. Um, 07, 08, David James should not have been in. No, just there's just, there's just no way. Sanya... Ferdinand Vidic, Clichy, Cristiano, Gerard, Sesk. Ashley Young was really good for Villa that year. Really, really good for Villa that year. He's another one that should have become more than he did. He really should have. He's so talented as a young player. Um, Adebayor and Torres. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Adebayor, oh, 
He's always a bit of an annoying player. You could tell he had all the talent, but his attitude just always seemed to be a bit lacking. But he did bang in 24 Premier League goals that year. A complete, a complete fluke because he would never score uh, more than 17 in the Premier League season again. And that was only once. Other than that, it was like 14, 10, 11 disappointing seasons. But um, yeah, uh, Adebayor next to Torres. Um, 08-09, this one I take some umbrage with. So Van der Sar, fine. Glenn Johnson, no. Um, Rio Ferdinand and Vidic. Vidic, yes. Ferdinand, no. Not that season. Everett, yes. Cristiano, Gerard, Giggs should not have made it that year. And Ashley Young should not have made it that year. Um, Anelka and Torres. That Mascherano and Alonso didn't make that team. It was a shambles. They were the two best midfield players in England. They were both better than Gerard that season. Now, he did miss a bunch of the season. But those were the two best midfield players in the country. And um, and Jamie Carragher should have been in the team over Rio Ferdinand. Jamie Carragher was brilliant that year. Um, that's that decade. There's a few more questionable ones in that decade than there was in the previous decade. There's a few popularity contests that have gone on over the years, but all in all, it's not too bad. Now, the 0910 one is a bit of a strange one. So you get Joe Hart. Fine. He's on loan at Birmingham that year. Branislav Ivanovic, Thomas Vermeyen, Richard Dunn, and Patrice Everett. Uh, Antonio Valencia, Sesk, Darren Fletcher, the ultimate water carrier, uh, and James Milner. This team was a mess. Uh, Rooney and Drogba up front. That, that's a mess. It's an absolute mess, and there's just there's no way half those players belong in that team. Uh, the following year, we get back to something more recognisable. Uh, Van der Sar, Sanya, Vidic, Company, Cole, Nani, Samir Nasri, Jack Wilshire, Gareth Bale, Carlos Tevez, and Dimitar Berbatov. No real problems with anyone that year. To be fair, I, I think that's a fairly strong representation of what that season was the following year it's walker it's sorry hart kyle walker company again colicini questionable one that one uh leighton baines really good that year david silva yaya Ture, scott parker no not for me uh gareth bale robin van percy and wayne rooney again other than colicini and parker are questionable but Colicini Ginny was really good for a couple of years. Uh, Parker was, you know, obviously he's a war hero. So, you know, Corporal Parker needs to be included. Um, De Gea, Zabaleta, Vertonghen, Ferdinand. Not having that one. Uh, Leighton Baines, Gareth Bale, Juan Mata, Michael Carrick, well-deserved. Eden Hazard, Robin Van Persie and Luis Suarez. Um... Rio would be the one I'd question that one, but it's not too bad. The following year, Peter Cech, Seamus Coleman, Gary Cahill, Vincent Company, Luke Shaw, 
Luke Shaw was like 17 or 18 at the time. Adam Lalana, empty shirt, no way. Uh, good for the first half of the season, then dreadful. He was about the fifth best player that happened that year. Um, Steven Gerrard. Gerrard was dreadful the first half of that season. Dreadful. Had a really good run of games when the team picked up, and he was a big part of that. But team of the year, it's, it, clue is in the name, it's the year. So it should have been in August to May. If you're in the team of the year, you've got to perform from August to May for me. And he didn't, Lalana didn't. Yaya, Yaya didn't perform from minute one to minute 90. He performed for about 45 seconds a game. We just decided he was better than everybody else, and he went and won games for City. Eden Hazard, Daniel Sturridge, and Luis Suarez. Harsh on Phil Coutinho not to make that team. Really harsh that Phil Coutinho did not make that team over at Adam Lallana. Um, 14-15, De Gea, Ivanovic, Terry, Cahill, Ryan Bertrand, the, the, the lack of left backs in the league quite staggering at the time Alexis, Nemanja Matic Phil Coutinho, Eden Hazard Diego Costa and Harry Kane Raheem Sterling probably deserved to get into that year more than Coutinho did but overall defensively it's a bit of a train wreck because the league was quite poor but um, yeah it is what it is 15-16 De Gea Hector Bellerin, Toby Alderweireld, Wes Morgan, uh, Danny Rose, Riyad Mahrez, Deli Ali, N'Golo Kante, Dimitri Payet, Jamie Vardy and Harry Kane. Can't, can't really argue. I mean, at that point, De Gea was Superman. You could maybe argue against Hector Bellerin, but he was good that season before he, you know, before he forgot how to play football and just decided to be a, a full-time sprinter. Um... Yeah, I can't really argue with too much of that now, in fairness. 16-17, again, it's De Gea, Walker, Cahill, Louise, Danny Rose, Hazard, Ali, Kante, Mane, Kane and Lukaku. Yeah. I mean, Cahill and, and Louise were good. They played in a three, not a two. Um... But all in all, that team is probably about representative of what that season was. 17-18, De Gea again. Kyle Walker. Nicholas Otamendi. Now, he was really good that season, but it is just mad to see his name there. Jan Vertonghen. Marcus Alonso. No. No, no. no. David Silva. Christian Eriksen. Kevin De Bruyne for the first time. Mo Salah for the first time. Harry Kane. And Sergio Aguero. Finally getting his first his first pick. Now, the thing is, it's hard to argue as to what seasons he should have got in. Because if you look back, and you could probably pick him over Diego Costa in 14-15, but Costa was really good. He's not getting in over Sturridge or, or Suarez in 13-14. He's not getting in over Van Persie or Suarez. I think Aguero's just been really unlucky that while he's prob- he's been the best striker over the decade, season to season, he hasn't been 
one of the two best. He's just been that kind of num- the brilliantly consistent number three, whereas everyone else is either first or fifth. Um, 18-19 then. Ederson. Allison should have got the nod there. Sorry. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, Americ Laporte, Andy Robertson. No problem with that defence at all. Laporte was brilliant for City. Liverpool's defence was the best in the league. Allison should have been in for Ederson. No problem then ahead of that. Bernardo Silva was brilliant. Fernandinho, Sterling, Aguero, Mane and Paul Pogba. And that was the one good season Pogba has had for United. Um, and then finally, last year's team, Nick Pope. Fair enough, Alison Becker had two long stints out of the team. Trent Van Dijk, Sionchu was brilliant for Leicester last year. And when everything else crumbled around him, he was kind of the only consistent force. Andy Robertson, no problem. Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, yes. Silva, no, actually. Do you know what? Silva, no. De Bruyne, yes. He was great. Silva, I'm not having last year. Kovacic should have been in the team. Fabinho should have been in the team. And Jordan Henderson, while he may have won PFA Player of the Year, was not one of the three best midfield players in England last season. Or Football Writers Player of the Year he won. He was not one of the three best midfielders. Fabinho, Kovacic and De Bruyne should have been the midfield three. Vardy, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Sadio Mane. How Mo Salah was not picked, I really have no idea. I really have no idea how Salah isn't in that team over Vardy. Salah does far more for the team and was far better last season than Vardy was. When you look at it, there's a bunch of players that have... Like Rio Ferdinand, is, I think, is in it six times. He, he should only have three or four. There hasn't been six years where Rio was one of the two best centre-backs in the league. Aguero only having two involvements... Like I say, it's down to the fact that he's been consistently very good, but others have had these great seasons and then dropped off. There's been a couple of players that didn't deserve the ones they got. There's a few players that did deserve. All things considered, I do think, for the most part, it is about right most years. Most years, I think they get eight or nine spot on. Some years they get 10, some years they get 11. Rarely do they get like less than seven of them correct. So I would say all things considered, it is a fairly good representation of what the league has been in that season. We'll finish up as we do with the gossip. Uh, Manchester City striker Sergio Aguero wants to move up the Premier League all-time goal-scoring charts which could help Chelsea in their bid to sign him when he leaves Man City in the summer. Um, I'd I'd be very surprised if he stays in England. I really would. I I think he's going wherever Messi is. Aguero is willing to miss out on Champions League football in order to stay in the Premier League with Chelsea and Tottenham among the clubs he would consider. That's from the Telegraph. Like I said, I, I think he goes where Messi goes. 
Uh, Manchester United may join Liverpool in the race to sign RB Leipzig French centre back Kanate. Um, yeah, that that doesn't there's no race. I'm sorry, there just isn't. Uh, Jesse Lingard will attempt to sign English midfielder. Je- sorry, West Ham will attempt to sign English midfielder Jesse Lingard in a permanent deal this summer, um, but fear United will dis- demand a high price. He's 28 and he's got one year left in his contract. There's only so much they can demand. Um, Arsenal are willing to consider selling Alex Lacazette this summer. Inter Milan, Roma, Sevilla and Atletico Madrid are all interested. Let's go through these, shall we? Atletico Madrid, yeah, they've shown interest in the past. Don't think they're going to be interested now, given the season he's had. Sevilla don't have that type of money and they already have a better number nine. If they sell N Naziri, possible. Roma are largely broke. They would have to sell a big name, either Pellegrini. He's kind of the only one because Zaniolo's injured. So they'd have to sell him, and I don't think that's going to happen. And Inter don't need him. They've got Martinez. They've got Lukaku. They're looking for a backup striker, but they're not going to look for somebody who's 30 and going to cost that much. And those high wages. Uh, Tottenham are preparing a move for RB Leipzig, Austrian midfielder Marcel Sabitzer. That's been rumoured for a couple of years now. So if he ends up there, about time is all you can really say. Uh, Juventus, Arsenal and Chelsea are interested in AC Milan's Turkish midfielder Hakan Çalhanoğlu, who could be available on a free transfer at the end of the season. Uh, well, Juventus love a free transfer. He doesn't fit at Arsenal. He doesn't fit at Chelsea. None of those clubs make sense for him, though. He's not a starter for, for Juventus. He doesn't fit how Arsenal play in a 4-2-3-1 unless they're planning to sell um, Emile Smith-Rowe. Or maybe they just don't buy Odegaard. They play him as the 10, Smith-Rowe on the left and Sack on the right, or vice versa. In that case, yeah, but he doesn't fit how Chelsea play. He just doesn't. Um, Villarreal striker Gerardo Moreno is among Atletico Madrid's key targets this summer, but he has a release clause of 85 million euro. He's not worth, he's sorry, 100 million euro, 85 million pounds. He's not worth a fraction of that. He's a good player. He's not a great player. Uh, English forward Theo Walcott will join Southampton permanently this summer when his loan spell from at Saints from Everton ends. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Everton will demand 21.4 million if they're to sell Yerry Mina. They can demand all they want. There's nobody going to pay it to them. Um, Barcelona manager Ronald Koeman has urged French forward Ousmane Dembele to stay at the club despite interest in Manchester United. I would now urge him to do the same. If I'm honest, I would urge him to do the same. Because he's playing as a false nine in recent weeks, and he's been really, really good. And his pace and movement is opening things up for Messi and Griezmann. And Barca look like a real football team again. Um, Manchester City are interested in Sheffield United and Norway midfielder Sander Berger as a, a replacement for Fernandinho. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I think they also could just go and buy Douglas Louise back off, off uh, Villa if they wanted to. But Sander Berger is definitely not going to play in the championship next year. Uh, the father of Uruguay midfielder Lucas Torreira has called on his son, sorry, has called on Arsenal to allow his son to leave the club this summer. He's currently on loan at Atletico Madrid. There's been some rumours that he wants to go back to South America. I don't buy them. I think he wants to stay in Europe. I think he probably would like to go back to Italy. 
I think Arsenal should keep him, though, because I genuinely think he's a very good player. And I think him and Thomas Partey as a two is something that will work. Arsenal are preparing a firm offer for Ashraf Hakimi, with the Gunners considering the Moroccan a potential replacement for Hector Bellerin, who could be allowed to leave the club this summer. Well, first of all, he's not a replacement. He's an enormous upgrade. Secondly, he's not really a right-back. He's a wing-back, and to play him in the back four is going to hamper him. Uh, thirdly, they can prepare all the offers they want. I, I don't really understand the concept of preparing an offer. Like, you can either make an offer or you can't. And a, f- a firm offer, does that mean it's like take it or leave it? Because I think Inter will leave it because I don't think they have any interest in selling him. Everton are monitoring Blackburn Rovers, former England under-21 striker Adam Armstrong. There's going to be a bunch of Premier League clubs in for him. He's a very good player. He'll be in the Premier League next season. Um, and Leicester City midfielder Kieran... Kiernan, Dewsbury Hall, will consider returning to Luton Town on loan next season if opportunities with the Foxes remain limited. I, it's in his best interest. As Luton are a good team. Um, they're playing good football. They're comfortably mid-table in the championship. Um, he's not going to get many opportunities at Leicester. Their midfield is stacked, so he'd be better off staying where he is on loan. Uh, makes sense. And that's it. That is the gossip for today. That is the show. Thank you to Guy. Thank you to Foxhorn. Thank you to you as always for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.